So the, the vast majority of organizations don't have reliable skill data on their employees. And that really came to light during the pandemic um, when lots of organizations needed to redeploy. And they couldn't effectively redeploy because they didn't actually know the skill sets of their employees beyond the skills that you would associate with that particular job. On today's show, we're talking to Sam Davies, the CEO and co-founder of Real Links, who's introducing me to the concept of referral jams. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly tech podcast with myself, David Savage, powered by the Harvey Nash Group, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you a little bit of technology news. On today's show, I'm joined by Akish. How are you? Good morning. Uh, very well, thank you. We're, uh, we're finally recording. Oh, we are. <laughs> and I'm totally distracted by the fact that because we're recording in Teams, a transcript has just started appearing on my screen, um, which unfortunately isn't very accurate. It's just I, I can I can see what it's typing. And it, it started with on today's show, I'm joined by Akish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it should, it should be interesting throughout this um out this pod, I think, but um, but yeah, I'm on my phone, so I currently just have your uh, display photo on my screen. Actually, I'm glad to take some photos of this for you because it's hilarious. Um, sorry, I'm totally distracted. That's completely thrown me. I was going to talk about the global supply chain and the fact that, uh, or the global supply chain crisis and the fuel crisis and the fact that there was a part a report out by Gartner in 2020 that no one seems to have paid any attention to, given the fact that we we've got some issues. Uh, <laughs> but. Now I'm I'm interested by the transcript. Mm, well, there you go. It's a bit different. Yeah, just a bit different. Um, I thought I'd I'd pull attention to one thing that I saw on Twitter that I I found thoroughly disheartening yesterday. Mm. Um, I might have to to repost this on our on our feed, but it was uh, a tweet by at Rush the Writer. Millennials, if you want to feel old, this is an actual exhibit item in the state of Iowa historical building. And it's it's a Mac, but it's the see-through plastic Mac that I remember getting really excited about when I was like a teenager. And it's in a museum, and I just feel thoroughly is, dispirited. <laughs> is it is it the one that you could get like different coloured bats? Yeah, exactly. See-through, yeah. the see-through one that was like green and pink and and stuff. I remember and, like, that being sweet. new and exciting. Mm, I, I remember that was like a, you know it was a. It was life changing because it's almost like the iPods with the the tracker thing. Do you remember those? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So it was almost like those, and and the first time white headphones appeared. Do you remember those? I mean, how groundbreaking were they? Oh yeah, and the fact that people were discouraged from wearing them in case you got mugged. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And also, also people wouldn't wear them because they'd be like, oh no no, it will rub on my clothes and get too dirty. Um, <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah, we're, that, that, we're that shit is in that shit is in um in a museum. Mm. Happy crazy. days, right? Okay. Anyway, <laughs> on that on that uh, note, where I've been distracted by technology, therefore proving the point that I probably am old, and then reading about an article pointing out that I'm old. Um, uh, I'm proving that I'm not very mobile, uh, and therefore probably a totally useless candidate for today's. Um, uh interview where we're talking all about mobility and flexibility and and referrals no one's going to refer me anyway we'll hand over to this interview and then we'll come back with some comments on it afterwards today i'm chatting to sam davis sam you are ceo and co-founder at real links how are you yeah really good thanks really good pleased to be here before we hit record we were talking about the fact you were getting back out into the real world of 
of events which I've also been doing over the last month. How have you found it? Yeah, it's been incredible. Um, obviously, you know, uh, lots of the events providers that we were dealing with um, pre pre the pandemic pivoted and were doing virtual things, but um, which have been great. And 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 some of the instances those will I'm sure continue. But um, it's been fantastic to just get out, see people again, um, have those sort of impromptu conversations that are quite difficult to sort of have virtually. And um, no, it's, it's it's been brilliant. And some of the talks as well have been have been really interesting. Yeah, I bet it's one of those things where it's kind of, it's the first real chance for people to get together and have that shared experience of, God, we went through that for the last year and a half. And what was your experience? I think I think that's right. And I think there's um, there's a little bit more, op- I'm sure it will fade, but there's a bit more openness um, at these events from um, from TAs, recruiters, um, I think, to just have, have a chat with vendors and, and find out what's going on with, with them. And I think that makes sense because it's been so long since those conversations have been, have been possible. So... Um, there are probably still less people turning up to these events, uh, understandably, but I think the people who are going are, are highly engaged and, uh, and open to speaking about, as, as, you say, as you say, to some degree, shared experiences. Yeah, and I think that's, that is entirely a fair assessment, that there are probably, it's probably fewer footfall, but the people through the doors of the, of the events that I'm going to, they really want to be there. So you end up having some really productive conversations. Exactly, exactly. So look, we, we mentioned that you are co-founder and CEO of Real Links. Um, I always take the assumption that people have no idea who my guests are because we've got people tuning in from all sorts of weird and wacky places these days. Um, your website describes you as the leading employee referrals and internal mobility platform. But rather than me read something, some copy off a screen, <laughs> what do Real Links do? So yeah, I set the business up in the beginning of 2018. And we were a referrals platform at that stage. Um, and the platform's evolved quite considerably since uh, since inception. Um, but the referral piece is very much uh, moving away from, um, I guess, the traditional perception of what referrals are, i.e. referring a small pool of people that you're personally connected with. Uh, some people still look at it as sort of friends and family. And it's, uh, it's impact when you look at it in that way is quite limited you know you generally most organizations are sort of got between five to ten percent of annual hires coming via referrals and opening it up really that's exactly what we've looked to do so opening it up into social introductions in your wider network so one of the cool things about the platform is it allows allows employees to connect their linkedin connections with the platform and then it will start recommending people in their network who are a good fit for a job which really takes that that work away from the employees but also helps to open up the network and make them think about people they wouldn't have otherwise referred and then it's heavily gamified not looking at a static just referral bonus based around success really sort of utilizing gamification raffles leaderboards referral jams which i'll come on to in a bit um to to get employees engaging with referrals where you need it when you need it and i think that's a, that's a key part of our methodology and philosophy and it is making a huge, you know, huge impact for you know our clients such as Ocado. um but then more recently went into the world of internal mobility. Um, so we released our internal mobility uh, product a few months back now, uh, which we built over a, a series of months with development partners. So we were working with Great Western Railway, uh, JISC, and former Cuban hotels at every stage of the build. And it, it was a really, really cool way to build a product, uh, having that sort of like end user in mind throughout. Um, so um, yeah, Great Western Railway about to launch with that. And um and we're now at a point where you know companies can can use us for both aspects, which is, is super exciting. 
So look, as anyone who listens to this podcast knows, I've worked um, for the Harvey Nash Group for 14 years. And listening to you there, it's kind of like, I, I always quite like it when we talk to people in the talent industry, because I like I like my own legacy ideas to be challenged slightly. Are you Are you competing with organizations like mine, or is this slightly different? Because recruiters and talent professionals will rely on their personal networks, but they'll also go out and actively try and find people that they don't know. How does this slot into the wider industry? Yeah, I don't think it I don't think it is competing with recruiters. I think there's there's a place for both. I think you'll I think I think this I think the key point here is actually like organizations, their philosophy in terms of what they need to do from sort of a talent attraction perspective has evolved to such an extent they realize that yes there is a place for recruiters for certain roles there is a place for employee referrals a bigger place than than currently exists in most organizations as well as lots of other talent attraction uh, tools so i think it's it's actually just looking at it as becoming a more prominent part of the ecosystem uh, rather than it coming in to replace something else if that makes sense yeah absolutely now look if i pick this apart a little bit because i totally get why it's attractive to you you cited ocado yeah. um to those organizations and how bonuses gamification etc um can can help kind of drive that activity but if i'm let me see if i've got this right if i'm sitting here right and i decide that i give access to my LinkedIn community and then it pops up and it goes, oh, this this person that I know would be a really good fit for this organization, but maybe I don't know that organization. Do I want to introduce that person to an organization to potentially to a manager that I don't know that I can't, that I can't be sure would be a great place to work? Is, is that a legit concern or have I not quite well, understood it? No, so it's slightly different. So this is used for you referring internally. So this is basically like I see. Um, so employees within the within the company. It, it, exactly, it would be you referring someone in your in your network for a job at Harvey Nash. Right, I see. So you so see, you do you do know obviously the organisation. So, um, but yeah. as 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 many people, I d- certainly don't know everything that Harvey Nash no. is looking for at any one time. No, but then then I think it's 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 a, re- it's a really important point that you make and. I think most TAs that we speak to around this, like they're not expecting you to be the one who determines whether the fit is there or isn't there. That's still what the recruitment process is there for. You making an introduction uh, to an individual about what could be there, they're they're still going to go through a process. uh, And that's from the candidate's perspective, working out whether it's the right fit for them. And from the recruiter's perspective, working out if that candidate's the right fit for them. So, you know, I think, Moving this emphasis away from employees is a key part of it. As an employee at an organization, we're just asking you to make introductions in your network. Let let the recruitment process determine whether that's the right fit on both sides. You don't need to be the one who makes that determination at the offset. Now, you mentioned referral jams. Yes. First time I've heard that term. What is yeah. referral jam? So <laughs> referral jams are relatively, a relatively new thing. Um, so we started running referral jams uh, for Ocado uh, a few months back now. And essentially, um, uh, I'll give you a bit of context. A number of organizations that we spoke to have historically, when they've gone through a hiring drive, got, got their employees in a room, given them pizza, and essentially just gone through their LinkedIn connections with them to work out, is there anybody you possibly know to, to, that we could refer for this particular opportunity? 
So the referral jam concept is an evolution of that using our platform. Essentially, it's, it's a one-off event. So um, you're at Ocado, you've got some really hard to fill hires in the engineering team, for example. This is where we, we ran one there recently. And um, you select those jobs from your list of jobs. And then you select the employees that you think would be good in terms of referring people for those jobs. And they get invited to this one-off event. So, like, you know, call it midday on a Tuesday. And at midday on a Tuesday, they come into this virtual referral jam, which is this highly interactive page uh, where they, they're laser focused on these, say, five to 10 key roles. And we're talking them through the roles and we're explaining what we're looking for from a, um, a candidate perspective. And then you get them super engaged. They start referring people, confettis popping up on screen. Uh, there are prizes for the top three at the end of the jam. And people are winning like on the spot Amazon uh, vouchers as they take actions during it. And it's a 30 minute period uh, with this high referral energy. And it's, it's born some incredible results. Um, I, was, I mentioned to you just before we, we were at the uh, an event um, last week. Um, it was a firm event. We had 80 TAs in a room and we, we ran a live referral jam with them. And essentially, we just basically we, we contacted everybody before the event and said, has anybody got any TA roles they're looking to hire for? We got about eight through and we got everybody in the room highly engaged during this live referral jam. And it was awesome. And uh, I don't think we've had so many people post an event, reach out to us and say, can, can we do a referral jam? So it, it's, it goes back to what I was saying around that methodology piece, not looking at referrals as it's always on static solution, but actually utilizing the referral technology and the gamification to help you where you need it, when you need it. And, and the referral jam piece is, is a great way of doing that. So the other, the other piece of this that you talked about was around internal mobility. Mm. Um, how, because you, 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 you talked about it being referrals initially 2018 and the business has evolved a bit. I, I might be, in, be, be being dense here, but internal mobility, surely an organization should know what talent it's got there are managers, there's that structure in place, there are appraisals, you you have people going through various different career um, journeys with, 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 you know, promotional targets mm. and so on. So um, totally get that there's the opportunity to move from one country to another. And that's a similar kind of thing. But how many organizations need help identifying talent yeah. doing that? I, you, you would imagine they have a bit more of an awareness once someone's in an organization. Yeah, well, interestingly, no. So the, the vast majority of organizations don't have reliable skill data on their employees. And that really came to light during the pandemic um, when lots of organizations needed to redeploy. And they couldn't effectively redeploy because they didn't actually know the skill sets of their employees beyond the skills that you would associate with that particular job. So um, I've spoken to so many organizations now, we did so much research around it, but you, you do have some skills data sometimes within a HR system, but it's usually not up to date and it's not reliable. So interestingly, although you would expect it, and I expected it in a similar way prior to really delving into this topic, most organizations do need to, under, do need to have a better understanding of their employee skills, which is so important because if you don't understand the skill sets of your employees and their interests, which is also another important part of this, you can't effectively match them to internal jobs, internal projects, or mentors who could help them to get where they want to get to. So um, 
it's um, and it, you know what, what I would add to that as well is it is becoming such a focus point for organizations now they you know um, in my opinion in uh, you know 10 years time um, one of the things that a candidate will be assessing when they consider a, a new company is you know what is the internal mobility policy and set up within that organization because um, there's a growing desire to be able to move within and grow within do organizations know what questions to ask to to adequately capture the right data because i suppose if they ask the wrong questions they're not going to, you know how do you know what skills to look for interests is a very vague thing it's quite subjective yeah. we're talk- we're talking about stuff here that you could quite easily get wrong or just be a bit fuzzy about yeah it's it's a really good point yeah no, so i think so one one thing that organizations we're working with at the moment they're running focus groups with employees in different areas of the business to sort of get a bit, get a better understanding as to what sort of questions would draw out those skills and then uh it would become a bit more specific so you might ask people in the dev team different questions to those in i don't know, the marketing team for example so it's really doing your research and your analysis prior to inputting those questions and then underneath that having a skills taxonomy that allows people to select the skills um that they may have and how has the pandemic um affected internal mobility because the geography piece suddenly perhaps is not so important so someone could quite easily theoretically jump from one part of an organization to another without as much personal upheaval as perhaps they would have gone through before yeah i think um in terms of the pandemic i think it's accelerated uh, the movement towards internal mobility becoming one of the key priorities for any organization because of the point that I made previously around when when organizations needed to redeploy, they couldn't do that effectively. Your business, let's have a think about that as well very quickly. You, you mentioned it was it was founded in 2018. So at best, you had two years before this situation hit. And then you've had 18 months where we find ourselves in funny times and we can't go and meet people face to face. And it's, it's, it's obviously been very difficult for, for many different reasons. We maybe are coming out the other side of it now. How, you, you, I mean, you mentioned that you started with referrals. How much of those changes were subjected to you and how much was it kind of spotting opportunity? How, I suppose what I'm trying to ask is, is how has it affected your, your strategy and has it sure. been a case of kind of, I suppose, almost like a ship in a sea, kind of using the winds and and being a bit opportunistic, the trade winds, or or actually plotting a, your own course and and going, no, this this is this is the way that we can lead this business forward. Yeah, um, it's, it's a really good question. Um, so, internal ability had been on our roadmap anyway. Um, it was very much in our in our plans. It accelerated them. Um, you know, the reality was that. Um, other than a few industries, people weren't really hiring during the pandemic. So there's only so much that we could do on, on the referral side of things. So we accelerated uh, everything that we were doing around internal mobility uh, to use the time as productively as possible. And, you know, now we're now coming out of it. Um, you know, we've got a really cool internal mobility product, but referrals is very much back and alive. That's a key part of our focus too. So it's not, it's not that moving into the internal mobility uh, area has meant that we're no longer focusing on referrals it's just given us an, another avenue and it's also important to say that a number of organizations 
see these two things assisting together quite nicely. So um, we do have a combined product which incorporates referrals and internal mobility together. And a few organizations that we're working with will be utilizing both. So um, it's, it's, we've definitely come out stronger from a product perspective and it's going to be exciting to see where it goes. Absolutely. Look, it sounds like an exciting time. It's an exciting time for lots of us to be able to get back to some kind of normality, whatever that is. Um, But it sounds like everything's going well for the business. It sounds like it's a, as, as, as a, as a recruiter by trade, it sounds like a really interesting product, I have to say. So I hope it works. Um, We all know that 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 it's difficult to find talent and any tools that make that easier for organizations should be should be championed so thanks for coming on the podcast and talking to us no thanks for having me it's been great right as a recruiter what did you think uh it's kind of ending my career in it really um, <laughs> or, or, or slowly maybe we should up. pull this episode right now yeah if that's I, right. I, I was do you know what i was listening to it about quarter past six this morning i thought maybe it's a bit early to message you. i wasn't sure if you're awake um and then i was like what's he, what's he doing he wants us to talk about this you know idea that sounds very good to be fair um great way to kind of get traction and get you know the, the kind of engineering type of people that, that he was mentioning um and then, you know, kind of, I guess, almost not, you know, providing like a direct platform really for these candidates and people who that might have really good referrals and making it all quite interactive and quite kind of fun and, and more kind of a bit like gamification. I don't know if that's fair. Oh, well, yeah, um, absolutely like gamification yeah. when they're talking about, you know, the, the referral jams and they've got kind of confetti going off on screens and prizes. Mm-hmm. 100% gamification. Yeah. 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 So I think it's a great idea, to be honest. Um, yeah, I, I, I wish them well, saying me with, you know, gritted teeth. Uh, but... no, you know, you say that, but I do I do ask him in the interview, yeah. and it's not it's not really competition. Like, nah. it, it's I... just... We, you're you're only you're like if you if you could harness referrals you would always harness referrals as an organization but there will come a point where you always need to go to the external market where people will go i, I don't really know anyone yeah, but it's yeah. just optimizing that do you know anyone uh to it to a greater degree 100 percent. and also i like the fact that he said look it's not the you know like we've seen it before right with things like this and certain other events and meetups and that sort of thing and it's you know it's advertised as the death of recruiters the death of the industry like the recruitment industry and all this and you're like oh, oh, calm down like you know just relax um but i like it and also i think it's a lot of these um a lot of these very techie folks you know have, have obviously will have very strong networks internally and a lot of the time it's a trusting and and you know, we, you've been in recruitment, I've been in recruitment, we all know that, you know, the, the best ones are always, you know, the ones that you can never get a hold of, right? Mm. Um, they're, they're always the ones that, you know, they won't necessarily have their CV on the job boards, you know, sometimes their LinkedIn is very kind of alias or hidden, um, you, you know, and it's very hard to know where these people are. But obviously, if you go in via a known source, in, in the same way, if someone rang me and said, oh, Dave Savage, you know, recommended I speak to you, I, I'd, I'd give him a time a day, right? As I'm sure you would if I said, oh, I've got your number from a quiche. This is why I'm calling bloody, bloody, blah. So it, it's always an easier way, right, um, to to kind of get your name out there and, and find the best people. So, yeah, great idea. Very good. I also think it's really interesting because um, not too long ago, we had Mark Howells from AstraZeneca on the podcast. 
Um, do you remember? Global Health Talent? And he was talking about you don't know what you don't know. And the fact that they built an AI platform to better understand the skills that they had in the organization and talking about what skills they had to um, buy, borrow, and build. And what Sam is talking about here is exactly that point. You know, what is your internal referral policy being something that candidates will be really interested in in the future? But organizations being aware of employee skills, being aware of their interests, being aware of the skills data and what's needed. Um, And there's both that interest from the candidate side and the ability to move around an organization. And it does become easier now than it was pre-pandemic. But also an organization really having that detailed understanding of what's under the hood of their business. I, th- I think I think that's the biggest thing, right? And and it's probably also organisations, I think, you know, possibly kind of giving people a chance to to, you know, be open to a challenge. Um, in our internal organisation, I've seen it happen post pandemic um, to quite a, a close, you know, kind of colleague of mine who's, um, you know, worked in the same kind of area as me as long as I've known him and, and he's kind of you know, moved internally into a different part of the business and doing something completely different so mm. uh, and, and and it's worked for him and he's, he's enjoying it so I think it, I think what I'm trying to say is organizations sometimes may be blinded because people are doing a good job in their roles but they could possibly be utilized a bit more and again if they don't advertise internally or ask for referrals or, or look at, like you said, under the hood, they won't know, right? And and data and AI and, well, data predominantly, I guess, um, people data, that's probably the best way to kind of know exactly what's what's in yeah. each business. Um, but then also, I, I think it's also down to management to a certain extent and being, you know, given the chance to, develop and, and move and <clears throat> and kind of be a bit fluid um but I, I think i think i think there's a really interesting point there about an organization having to be more interested in the individual interests of an employee because mm. we're never going to be in an office five days a week again yeah. let's face it that that much we know mm-hmm. we might be in an office two or three days a week but the other thing is because we're in two or three days a week we're not necessarily in on the same two or three days so you could be like ships passing in the night with some of your colleagues, to be perfectly honest, mm-hmm. in that, you know, you occasionally find yourself in the office on the same day. So you're not going to get the same personal relationships, perhaps, with some of those people that you would have done. And therefore, an organization might not get to know a quiche in quite mm-hmm. the same way that it would have done, mm-hmm. especially if you move to a new organization where they don't know you. Mm-hmm. Um and and so it's going to be harder for a manager. And let's face it, it over t- over Zoom and or Teams or whatever else at home, it's harder to get that understanding of that individual. Yeah, we're welcoming people into our homes, but you're not sat next to them just chatting shit. To be perfectly frank, twenty four seven. And so, having kind of platforms and an understanding that can help build that complete picture of a person and what their motivations are, that's going to be really important. One hundred percent. And I think it's a lot of it is going to be around kind of people opening up and being given the chance to open up and say, this is what I do. This is what I like. This is what I, you know, kind of am. Um, and, and, and where I see my challenges because, 
like you said, within a pandemic, you know, you know, within kind of certain things and areas, um, you're not going to be given the chance to kind of know everything on a day to day. And like I said, you don't just ring people up for a chat, do you? Whereas when you're in the office, you can just have a chat and what what they call water cooler, what they call water jug conversations. Water Mate, we don't we don't we don't have water cooler moments. No, we, we we don't have water cooler moments. But I'm just we, I'm bored. Have, what are you up to? Yeah, we we have we have coffee <laughs> machine moment. That's nipping down to uh, you know the coffee shop or whatever. But um, where, where you go? For who, lunch? who watched the match last night? Yeah. <laughs> or it's it's normally when the uh, the news headlines are running on the television, so it's like oh, see this. And then something happens. But, what um, a plonker. Yeah. Typical typical office chat. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's great, mate. I think, to be honest, like, it just allows organizations um, to have a bit more kind of control um, and gives the chance for people. Well, look, Sam, thank you for being our guest today. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit about bossware. A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. Bossware, is it? Yeah, Bossware sounds a lot more exciting than it really is, I'll be honest. Bossware sounds like it kind of belongs in some kind of video game, doesn't it? I, I, I thought when you said Bossware, I thought it, it sounds like it should be in... Selfridges or <laughs> you know, some sort of some sort of like department machino yeah like is that the right diesel you know Burberry yeah, diesel. diesel would be bossware absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, th- yeah. Th- thinks it's really cool but it's actually a bit crap yeah 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 100% yeah. that's that was the Fraser that's <laughs> <laughs> sports director of the world right um yeah, no, I'm afraid it's not that exciting, actually. In a way, it's, it's quite exciting, but it's not exciting like that. Bossware is basically surveillance technologies um, that management might use to check productivity. Um, well, now we're talking about it in school settings. So there's an article about US schools gave kids laptops during the pandemic and then spied on them. So what the US businesses and schools realized uh, as the pandemic went on was that they needed to get uh, tablets, um, laptops, Chromebooks to students at twice the rate, 43% um, prior to the pandemic. So it was 86% of teachers reported that during the pandemic, schools provided laptops. So 86% versus 43%. And a problem was that obviously a lot of those electronics were being used to monitor students. Now, some of it, they were using it to look at private chats between the students during the day around about suicide, bullying, whatever else, and they were able to intervene. You'd say, good. that's good. Yeah, good. absolutely. Yeah. But then obviously there is that overreach about, well, how much more are they listening to? And are the kids really aware? To a degree yeah. they're aware, but how aware are they? And then there's that thing of, 
it's another route into education for big business. And the one thing that we don't have here in the UK, I don't think, well, certainly we didn't when I was at school, but as at the beginning of the podcast, uh, I belong in a museum now, so <clears throat> maybe it's changed. But in the US schools, I think you kind of get McDonald's and shit in school canteens, don't you? Whereas my school, all right, we had chips and sausages, but it wasn't McDonald's. Um, an American school is heavily commercialized. It's another route for business in at an early stage, these students. So I just think there's, an, there's, a, there's a few interesting moving parts here around technology being good, but perhaps the need to think about protecting especially youngsters um, where kind of this bossware tech is, is, um, <coughs> is involved and who's providing it. I wish we had this, um, this article last week, actually, when we had the, um, the UCL guys on. Uh, so that would be quite interesting of the education mm. and you know uh, to, just to see what you know they thought about it but i think i think look for for, for things like online bullying and depression and you know any type of criminal activities and stuff i think it's great i think you know there should be good filters and that should be tracked quite easily um whether it's a, a kind of productivity thing or whatever i mean you, you could probably say maybe um and, and and kind of argue that maybe that is a good thing and, and possibly they're just being kept on the straight and narrow because don't forget we're adults right and and we need to be kind of we work how we work and whatever but obviously when you're a kid you do need a, an element of micromanagement right um especially when you're in school so i don't know i think i think it's all right really as, as long as as long as they can make them aware and say look by the way we are monitoring this um which might work pretty well. I don't know. I'll share, I'll share the article. It's an interesting one. There's a bit of a kind yeah. of moral grey area. There is that kind of grey area behind between how much tech is, is good and yeah. how much is overreach. Um, I don't know. We have over half of our audiences in the US. There might be some US teenagers listening. If, if, if this is news to you and you've got an opinion, tell us. I'd be very interested. Yeah, don't tweet via your computer because your, your your school might see it. So yeah, do it via your phone. That's yeah, why are they spending time <laughs> listening to some random British podcast? Uh... <laughs> and two random Brits who <laughs> belong in museums. Right, yeah. uh, Sam, thanks for being our guest from Real Links. Akish, thank you for your time on thank today's you. pod. We'll be back with you at the end of the week. <laughs>